hello, welcome to IntelliCast. I'm, not, I'm still not used to the music. And so I don't even know when to play myself in, mostly because that is our new theme song, which, by the way, a lot of you people didn't even notice it or didn't care that we radically changed our music and we didn't get a lot of feedback from it. And that kind of surprised both Brian and I. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. Um, we've had this music on for what, three or four episodes? I think, yeah, four episodes now. And yeah, I've, we had one listener respond back to it. Okay. No, two. Well, we had two. The person who suggested it and okay. another. Oh, good. So those for those of you that don't know, there's this old Sex Pistol song. I guess it's from the 70s, maybe? And called EMI, which obviously this what this podcast is brought to you by. That's who our employer is. And um, the first lyric of EMI is, there's unlimited supply, which is really interesting. But, you know, it's kind of a catchy little tune. It's unique. And we thank the listener that suggested it. And who knows how permanent it will be because we just keep changing the rules. But I like it. Yeah, I like it too. You got to hear it today. Normally I put it in in post-production. You know, I love hearing it actually. It puts me in a, like more of a fired up mood. But maybe it's better like as a viewer, as a listener, if I come in just hot, like angry at the old music. You know, I don't know. Let us know. If you have any feedback on the music or anything, you can reach out to us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. And we love the text messages at 513-401-5463. Whew. Um, we could just talk about the music all day long, and I'd be happy because I loved it. I, I know you would. I wish we – I wish – one of these days, can you do, like, the full song and just hope we get sued or something? I don't know. It'd be a cease and desist first. Okay. We'd have to make it a special episode people have to buy, and oh, yeah. Okay. Well – I just looked at the rundown about 10 minutes ago and I noticed there's a current event topic that you have put in here and it made me laugh really hard. Um, and I'm pretty excited because I don't know this story, but I'm ready. Yes. It sounds like you have a current event topic. Yes. And less a current event, more of my me just kind of ranting when I came across this. <laughs> Perfect. We have, you know, we haven't done a good rant very often like we used to, so I would I love a good rant. Okay, so I guess I'll just jump in and I'll set it up. So last week, work I was working and came across a website, and you have lots of websites that have video ads before, like a news clip and stuff. Well, this one came on for a show called The Laundry Guy, and as I'm, I missed the first five seconds of it. So it's playing this and it's a guy getting out stains and doing laundry. I'm like, what kind of, did I click on something wrong? Is this some sort of like satirical video? No, it is an actual television show called the laundry guy on discovery plus. And I was just dumbfounded. Like, have we, do we not have any topics have we run out of topics for TV shows that we have to watch a guy who does laundry? I mean, if they want to, sure. If they want to pay me, come over and watch me throw clothes in the washer and then the dryer, sure. But I don't think anybody's going to watch that. I can't imagine that anybody watches this show. And it's got the hyped up fake drama of your normal reality TV shows. Because I think in this 30 second ad, he was washing some wedding dress or something that was stained. So it's not like it's like 
special laundry, like, oh, I need you to, this was really close to my heart, I need it fixed. It seems so fake and awful. I don't yeah. know. I just saw this and went, you gotta be kidding me. Well, first thing I'll say is, I didn't know what Discovery Plus was. Um, is that like their streaming version of Discovery Channel? That is their new streaming platform, yes. Okay. Um, Discovery Channel is fascinating to me. They have lots of interesting shows. Um, I'm a big fan of BattleBots. Big surprise. Um, I think it's a good channel to go to when you're just kind of like as background. We don't want to pay attention. You don't need to pay attention. Um, Laundry Guy does seem like almost like we're getting punked. (laughs) I I honestly thought I was. (laughs) Like someone at Discovery said, let's put on, let's get the most ridiculous show possible to see what happens. Um, That's interesting to me. The Laundry Guy. I feel like it's a bet between two guys in like programming to see, are we going to get this on? Uh, pick the worst thing. I bet you you can't get this on. And the other one's like, oh, watch me. I'm going to get it on and we're going to have a TV show about this. There's got to be some sort of background bet behind this. And I'm not sure about it now that I'm Googling it. And now that I see the laundry guy, it asks, I have more questions than answers. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend going deep into this. <laughs> I think that I'm going to watch the laundry guy this weekend and come back with a review. Okay. This leads into a larger issue I have with discovery TLC and these other ones where years ago they were actually focused on educational programming and now they've gone down the rabbit hole of crap. Um, Yes. Take the, take TLC, which when they started was for the learning channel. Yes. Um, I can't identify a single program that they run that would qualify as learning, whether it's, what is it, my 600-pound life to something about little people, big world, uh, that kind of stuff. What what is educational about any of that? But naked and afraid, you're not learning anything there. No. I mean, before, yeah, I get it when History Channel used to do all it was, it was – World War II documentaries, 24 7, 365, but that was still kind of learn. That was still more learning. And it was talking about history. Right. They lost that when they started having like pawn stars and things like that. Right. Yeah. There's way too much. And it's not just cable. Now there's every one of these channels have two or three or four versions plus a streaming version. And then you add on to the original content that every platform is now producing. I just don't see how I, I don't know how this is possible that there's four billion shows out there and now you can watch stuff from like Israel and that's what I watch in Mexico and the UK you can watch stuff around the world. Well, now you have to sign up for all these individual platforms to get everything, and now you're going to have people clamoring like, "Well, I just want to sign up for one thing and get all of this." So, which cable. essentially yeah. is cable. So yeah. you've swung one way, and now we're ki- we're kind of almost reaching that apex of getting away from cable. Everyone's got their own streaming platform. Now I got to swing back because I haven't had cable in years. I'm probably never going to sign up for it again, but I'm also not signing up for all of these streaming platforms. I kind of keep three to four in rotation. If we've kind of made the decision here that if we're going to, if we're going to add a new one, one's got to go. So which one is it going to be? Yep. Yep. Um, 
I had I cleaned out a little bit a couple weeks ago because I I think I had about every one of the different platforms and I'm starting to focus more. Um, there's just too many options and I just I, I find myself just scrolling through Netflix options and I remember back in the day when you only had a few channels. Um, it's just too overwhelming. Yeah. Well, and a surprise thing I wanted. To- I wanted to talk about was what I sent you the other day. So you have talked about your love of marble racing. Yes. On here. I sent you what I think will be your new obsession. Treadmill racing where they had like the cars on it, racing, racing NASCAR style on a treadmill. I thought that was right up your alley. I I like the treadmill racing. It needs like, I haven't haven't gone deep into it yet, but basically the premise is this guy put some toys, on a treadmill and just runs the treadmill and just see which one kind of survives. That's really the premise. Um, I think it needs much more, I don't know, strategy around it maybe, or it needs a little more entertainment for me to really get latch on. Like the appeal of the marble racing is the guy that builds these tracks and the time trials and, you know, the standings. It's almost like NASCAR racing on its marbles. Yeah, that's the level that they're gonna have to get to for me to get on board. But I, I think it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I there's probably some people who listen that aren't gonna like this statement, but the watching the treadmill racing with the cars, yeah. I honestly there wasn't a whole lot of difference between that and if I watched some NASCAR, and I hate NASCAR, so yeah. the two looked very similar. I'm like, oh yeah, that looks about right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get it. I get it. I prefer the marble racing to NASCAR, so. That's just me. All right. Now that we've gone 10 minutes off on topics of nothing, should we jump into some news? Yeah, there's so much news out there. Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. I I know. It seemed like the middle of April is a good time to put out some good news. Yep. Uh, Our first story is SurveyMonkey has launched some new brand and industry trackers. Um, They have been launched as part of SurveyMonkey's market research solutions and will use artificial intelligence and machine learning to monitor brand and industry performance and uncover insights. So a little bit of a different twist on our normal brand or industry trackers. Yes, I like it. Um, I like SurveyMonkey. Um, We've talked about them a lot over the years on the podcast. And I I think that this is what we're going to start seeing as – you know, no company is going to be doing one thing any longer. SurveyMonkey is not a programming platform any longer. They're an information portal, and they're combining data, and they're competing with Qualtrics and, you know, Focus Vision, and that's tough to do. Um, I love it that it's using artificial intelligence and machine learning to kind of monitor brand and industry performance and uncover insights. That's awesome. Um, I just hope they have the sample solution as, you know, a sample company and a sample enthusiast and understanding sample like we do that's going to be key to their insights that they draw out of there and so i'm hoping that they think that through really well because everything else sounds awesome yeah i agree yeah that's awesome though i love seeing all these innovations yeah our next story um i found interesting it is according to new results from yougov and the center for economic and business research in the uk found that the UK consumer confidence has reached its highest level since August of 2018. Well, yes, this is just um, tw- this is UK people, but I think it's something that you could att- you can kind of 
correlate to U.S. as well or just global consumer confidence. And I thought this interesting because that shows kind of a strong comeback of essentially a purchasing power, which overall helps the economy. Yeah, absolutely. So when when I saw that this was on the rundown, I um, Googled it because, you know, a lot of the news sources, especially, I mean, this is an awesome news source that we research live just has so much incredible news, but a lot of times it's UK focused. So I Googled like consumer confidence in the US to have that perspective. And one of the articles I found is that, like you said, um, global consumer confidence also hits a record high, which is awesome. But then I found one that said that in the UK, at least consumer confidence weakens as COVID-19 cases once again, disrupt normalcy. And I think that a lot of this is that it's so volatile out there is that one little news story and all of a sudden consumer confidence can go jump up, go down. You can have a record high. Then this is peaks and valleys. And I think that's almost how we are living our lives almost is this volatility of, oh, wow, things are getting so much better. And then like, well, there's a new variant. I'm like, oh, no, these these things are going horribly. Like that's how I've been living my personal life. And I think that's, I think that people in general are just having this kind of ups and downs, like bipolar and like everything in life. And I'm hope settles down. I think we're getting ready to kind of emerge to at least much more positive than we were. Um, but it is good to see overall back to the topic is that consumer confidence is certainly improving and, um, very high. Yeah, I agree with you. I think my personal as well, it's kind of going up and down based on news. And we've seen that everywhere here where, Oh, this happened. It's great. And it's down. But I think the over, if you put a trend line on all that, it's still, I think it is going positive. Yes. While it's still going up and down, it is going positive. I mean, we've seen good news around here. We're at the point now we have walk-in clinics for vaccines. I know that's not everywhere, but that's positive trends. Yeah. A lot, all the people I know are either scheduled for their first, had their first or scheduled for their second vaccine or they're yes. even fully vaccinated. So that leads to confidence. Okay. That means I'm going to travel soon. I'm going to yes, go out exactly. and eat more often. So yep. I can see that lifting that increase where maybe not every country has that yet. And sorry, my homeland is facing a bit of an issue at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't I, really want to get into that. But <laughs> yeah, we can, we can talk about Canada maybe next week. But, um, and the, the, um, the, the, the ability to kind of get vaccinated and drive it, like what you said, was people are wanting to go do stuff, right? And so I, I read an article the other day that all these European countries are now, um, if you're vaccinated, they want Americans to come and visit, right? And so anybody in America that can prove they're vaccinated can go to, I think it was like eight different countries. And I thought, I'm ready to book a trip. And I bet a lot of people are just itching to do something because we've all been cooped up and all been kind of in this weird place for over a year now. And we're ready to go have some fun. And that's got to be why the consumer confidence, because, I mean, it looks like the airlines are all going to survive. It looks like somehow the cruise industry is surviving. Um, A lot of the, you know, hotel chains and and other industries like that are somehow going to emerge from this safely, which is, I don't know how that happened. Um, and so consumer confidence has to be high just in general, because maybe today things aren't perfect, but you can see how fast things are moving with vaccinations and imp- the numbers look better. 
that you know it's you know it's mid-April, how good June, July, August may look. Yeah, that's where I mean people are just going to go crazy. Well, there's been news that hey, fl- like tra- like leisure travel bookings are up significantly for the fa- like summer into fall. Business travel isn't booked yet, but and that's yeah. normally a big thing for airlines. But it might be shifting. This might be a more of a permanent. There might be less business travel going forward. But you think air, airlines are seeing re- leisure travel go up because people, you like you mentioned, we've been cooped up in our house for the last year. It's time to get out. I know I've been trolling uh, VRBO looking for something for my wife and I this fall. Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, we're going to be full, fully vaccinated. It'll be at the point where some. All, any potential family member that will take my children will be fully vaccinated. So you're like, you know what? We need to find something. Yep. So yeah, I, I think it's going up. I think it'll continue to go up unless there is some drastic news where either people stop getting vaccinated. Something comes up that it doesn't work with it. And it leads us back into where we were eight, nine months ago. Right. We just can't go backwards. We can be static. For a little bit. I don't want to go backwards, that's for sure. Right. So, and I think part of it too is, I think it's been mentioned in news stories where, yeah, once U.S. people are vaccinated, anything extra in terms of vaccine stockpile is going to get start getting shipped out to some of these other countries, so. Yes, and that's that's obviously key too. Is, yeah. Um, like I read a story about India, for example. They're having all oh, kinds God. of problems. I'm sure there's lots of countries that are similar. And so hopefully hopefully we have this surplus soon, especially if the Johnson & Johnson one can, can kind of get back on board because that's a lot of million, millions of doses right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I saw India set a record yesterday, like 317,000 positive cases in a day. Yeah. Something like that. I went, woo. Yeah, that's they've got some challenges, but you know, yeah. And I think part of it is I think it's their vaccine rollout that they just don't have any to give. So it's yeah. But yeah, it can't just be us, the first world get vaccinated and leave everyone to themselves. We're gonna be back where we were. So yeah, yep. It's a global issue for sure. For sure. Yep. All right, our next one. This is another YouGov story, actually. YouGov has created an opt-in cross-device tracker and data marketplace that will allow consumers to share data with companies. So people, it sounds a little bit like Bitcoin, or not Bitcoin, but um, blockchain. What do you think? No, I love this. Um, We don't talk about YouGov very often. They're not the news a ton, but they're so good, and they're such a great global company for information like this they do such cool stuff um yeah this is the future of kind of insights this is what i preach at least is that um we're not going to look at survey data the same as we did in the past in the past you looked at a survey and the 30 questions that are in it and you analyze those 30 questions and you said here's the results um in the future is going to be taking those 30 questions and hopefully combining that with a lot of other data and that's what YouGov is mentioning here. So it's it's um, anything that they want to share, which does sound a little bit like blockchain, absolutely. So it could be, they said here, browser history and Netflix viewing habits, expand or include banking, gaming, health data, 
And imagine if you're a client and you have the 30 survey questions and you can understand someone's um, um, credit card usage and what they've purchased over the past 90 days. The, the insights you can gain from that are like limitless. Um, their Netflix viewing habits is so many uses for that. Um, and combining all your health data, imagine what the, that would do for like healthcare research. Um, so big move by YouGov. I hope I hope this moves quickly because I think that our insights industry is really in a transformation phase. And this is one of the things that we have to do. We have this should be an arms race for everybody to kind of get a hold of as much data as possible and navigate this weird area where we're in, where there's all these uh, privacy regulations and um, you know, all these challenges and sharing information. And hopefully they can figure this out. Right. Yeah. I think this is a great, our next story a new report from the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising has found that the fall in market research budgets has slowed. So this kind of ties back to our economy talk just a few minutes ago, where budgets were fall getting cut 25% or more last year, and they were falling over the last couple of years. But it seems like the decline has slowed down. I think it is, I think if I remember correctly, it's down quite a bit. So while it's still falling overall, it's not falling as quickly. Yep. Let's hope so. Um, I, I think, I think people were kind of um, as research budgets were, were falling is really just kind of um, becoming more efficient, I guess, and getting much more, trying to get much more bang for their dollar and tightening everything up. And so now I think that that's kind of happened. I think we're going to start to see it grow again. Um, that's at least my theory around it. But um, I was a little surprised to see how much it had fallen, to be honest with you, because um, we haven't seen it fall that much, at least at EMI. Um, but it said that, what is it, 17.5% of 300 panels interviewed for the research reported the decline in advertising budgets for marketing research in January and March compared with 25% in the fourth quarter of 2020. So, you know, 15 to 25% of people are claiming that their budgets are, are in a decline. And so that's not a ton of people, but it is good to see that number get lower for sure. And it's a pretty significant um, decrease in people that have seen budget slash. Right. Yep. Yeah. I, I think this was a good indicator for our for the market research industry overall. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yep. It's coming back with the how the world looks now you need to ha be able to figure out what it looks like what's going on so yep uh our next story and this one's a pretty big one was a little surprising when i read it the other day was cantar has acquired consumer and market intelligence company numerator for 1.5 billion dollars um, this news broke just a couple days after Numerator announced a multi-year investment to expand its household measurement panel to more than a million members, and it was doubling its household insights panel to more than 200,000 members. They were planning on starting that this summer. Um, Numerator is now expected, after being acquired, to boost Kantar's world panel division, but will be operated um, as its standalone, as a as a independent organization for the time being, and the transaction is expected to close in Q3 this year. 
What do you think about this? Because I know I send it to you and someone else on our team who's just fascinated by Numerator, likes them as a company, and his response back was, what? Yeah, this. I'm not sure. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I'm a big fan of Numerator. Really cool company that does really cool stuff. Um, an awesome panel. Um, if you're buying from their panel, it's amazing the targeting ability that they have. They can really get like um, they can target someone that bought at a convenience store a certain like skew of Fanta, you know, like really obscure stuff. They have that information because they have your purchase behavior. You know, you take pictures of your receipt. They have the ability to code it. They profile you. And so if you're a brand, that's it's such a valuable tool to be able to, to have purchase behavior, actual behavioral insights like that. Um, so a big fan of Numerator. They have a Cincinnati presence. I know those people. They're really smart. They're awesome company. Um, Kantar buying them was a little surprising for me, and I hope they keep them separate. I know that Kantar recently took a lot of their brands that they've acquired over the years and kind of put them under the same Kantar umbrella. And there's a lot of great brands there that they've kind of, I guess, diminished their their name and put them under one Kantar name. Um, so I'm hoping that they utilize them and leverage them and invest, continue to invest in them because they, they provide such a great value to our industry. And, you know, put them in, roll them into the world panel, that's fine. But continue to leverage it because it's pretty unique capabilities that they have. I mean, it's pretty popular apps that they use. I think that the users appear to be very loyal to the numerator apps. And so I'm, I really hope that they keep them separate and continue to invest in them. Yeah, well said. I'm hoping to see maybe some of the aspects that numerator does in terms of managing their panel and how they run it maybe move over to the Kantar side, maybe bringing some of those best practices over because you can see that I can see that adding some real value on the Kantar side. If they can incorporate kind of what you mentioned with numerator. Oh, I know this person who just bought this Fantet. Yeah, I can target that, but on a larger scale than what yes. numerator has normally done. And hopefully they leverage us to go. I think, I think numerator is primarily North America based. And so Kantar's global power, strength, and uh, taking that world panel, which I think it said 45 countries maybe, um, leveraging across the globe would be awesome, you know? Yeah, that could that could be game-changing if they did that. Yes, absolutely. We wouldn't mind a idea fee if they hear this, yeah. unless they haven't thought of it. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't thought of that. <laughs> checks payable to Intellicast. Right. <laughs> uh, next story. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode with Dan Fletcher, but it is now official. Sample Chain has rebranded as Research Defender. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it, it is interesting. I didn't even think about it. You know, in full disclosure, we have a partnership with Sample Chain and have for years. We've known those guys for a long time. Um, awesome partners. And I didn't even think about it that they neither sell sample nor they provide blockchain. <laughs> so I think uh, for especially for newer customers, it's hard. Probably was hard for them to describe what they do. And Research Defender is such a fantastic name for what they actually do is defending research and to help companies like us 
uh, prevent fraud and duplicates and lots of bad actors getting into surveys. That's what they do. They defend the research. And so great name change, especially as we've joked around before, um, there's lots of vowels. It is spelled correctly. There's no you know weird thing in their name. And I wonder if we influenced that. We might have influenced that a little bit, Brian. We might have, but we've also influenced people in the industry commenting on that. So uh, Mike Harrell, a frequent listener, I believe posted on LinkedIn. He goes, you even spelled it right. All those, all the vowels and everything. Oh, man, I, I saw that, that today. I would have commented on that. Um, some of our more loyal listeners. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Hopefully the trend of lack of vowels and misspelled words and, you know, getting a little cute with the brand names is over. And I will, if this happens, then I will, um, we'll have a segment about Resource Defender and Vignesh and Dan and Chuck every episode because I'm ready for it to be over with. All right. <laughs> and if anybody, if you guys, if anybody listening has not heard that last episode, go back and listen to it. It is a great conversation on data quality. And the episode where we renamed EMI Spork. <laughs> Yep. Whatever that Pancake. Pancake. Pancake yes. Well. <laughs> yes. But yeah, happy for those guys. Awesome news. Yeah. Uh, next up, digital research firm Alligator has teamed with the rural qual recruitment expert Field Mouse to launch a new panel of partners and f- of farmers and farm workers called Opinion Harvester. Yeah. Um, I love the names of these companies too, by the way. Like Alligator is partnering with Field Mouse, which seems like, you know, a good partnership, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I love the name Field Mouse, first of all, and a launch of panel farmers named Opinion Harvester, all just great. Um, we know in the sample industry that farmers are a, a, a much desired target. It's amazing how many sample requests we get for farmers. And you can imagine most farmers are not sitting there taking surveys while they're farming. So it's a hard target to kind of put on a panel. Um, there's a couple of companies that, that do it well. We had Colson Steber on and his communications and research brand has kind of focused on that. They do a great job. And um, now Field Mouse and Alligator through Opinion Harvester. Hopefully we'll be doing the same thing. And I'm assuming this is in the UK. Is that is that where it is? It talks about... Um, it talks about a national network of recruiters and field agents embedded in local communities from the outer Hebrides to the Cornish coast. Um, that's, that's beautiful words there. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know where the Cornish coast is, but, you know, maybe we should have some of our British guests that we've had on to help us understand the geography there. But, um, it's good for research for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I like the name. I found it interesting. It's not just farmers that it's the farm workers. I don't, maybe it's just me. I don't see a lot of requests on the farm workers side. It's always targeting farmers. That could be a, a nice, unique um, twist for them that it's, oh, we can get not only your head farmer, but all the workers he has working for them as well type thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think these niche panels like this, they can be really successful because they add more insights than just, it's not just an Excel list of people that farm, you know, these companies, and I'm assuming field mouse and alligator um, really understand 
um, what the attitudes and behaviors and how to reach them and how to best um, survey them and get their opinions and feedback. They provide a ton of information and, and expertise in that field, like our other partners do. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if their recruitment, because Fieldmouse is a, is a qual recruitment expert, even if they're recruiting for this panel, that they don't follow more of a qual recruiting network, like it's a lot of face-to-face type stuff, or even how they normally recruit for a qual study and keeping them that way. Maybe it's a different recruitment and management technique than a normal panel would have. Yep. Um, I'm looking up Field Mouse. They have a great website, great logo. I mean, I'm a big fan of this company. Based in mid-Wales, which I know where Wales is at least, with a national network of recruiters. So um, beautiful website. If you need if you need some farmers in Wales and the UK, this is who I would go to. Our last story today, Pure Spectrum, friends of the podcast, yep. have secured $17 million in Series B funding from Arthur Ventures, a growth equity firm. What do you think? Well, also for the industry, I mean, we want growth and we want innovation. And, um, you know, Mike McCrary is awesome. And I love the way he thinks and how he's built brands. And um, so $17 million can go a long way for a brand like Pure Spectrum. That's awesome. And so big fan of those guys. Love Pure Spectrum. Hope, hope they spend the money wisely because we, you know, we obviously work with Pure Spectrum. Um, and so that helps the whole industry, lift the industry up, lift the EMI up, lift our, and more importantly, most importantly, the clients up. And so 17 million is a lot of money and hoping that, um, the, whatever they do with it is good. So. Yeah, no, no, it's good for them. Congratulations to Mike, David, and the team over there. Yep. That is all our news for today. We, it was a lot of news for a week and a half. A lot more than it has been the last few weeks. I know. Yeah. Things are starting to happen again. Um, you know, tons of news. We went, this is a long episode for us this year. I know. It's particularly a long news episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thanks everybody for listening and hanging with us. If you're still listening, because that was a lot of news. Um, and if you have any ideas on guests, topics, anything, please let us know. And Brian, as always, thank you so much for everything you do for the podcast. And we'll talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.